0: And welcome to another episode of the Copcast Podcast. Uh, it's Manchester United to Liverpool. Oh, sorry, fucked that up. I'll I'll start again. Um okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Copcast Podcast. It's Manchester United 3, Liverpool 2, in the fourth round of the FA Cup. We're out of the FA Cup again at an early round. Um we can say that for the last pretty much 14 years. But uh Anyway, my name's Andy Bell, and here to talk to me about that one is Jenga's in Cyprus. Genghis, how's things?
1: Um, hey, mate. Uh, well, to be honest, we I, I think we've all had uh, better days uh, considering recent results and uh, the current situation in the world. But you know, um, still blessed to be healthy, thankfully. And um, yeah, I look forward to uh, chatting to you. It's been a while since I've been on the pod, so um, it's going to be a nice one.
0: Yeah, well I mean at least you can sort of leave the house and 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 do fun things and go to the pub, can't you? Because you're in a you're an island nation who's actually uh, done the right thing and taken some sort of uh positive protocols in relation to covid unlike where I am here. Um but we'll not dwell on that. We'll we'll talk about another another depressing state of affairs which was uh Manchester United 3 Liverpool 2 and Jenkins I'm of an age where um I I never really see us win at Old Trafford um you know, the first time I saw it was in 2009 with that amazing 4-1 victory in the, the lead-up to that title race. And I think the one after that, the only time after that was the 3-0 under Rodgers uh, in 2014. Uh, I, I suppose as well there is the one all in the Europa League, which is, which is more or less like a win as well. But the point remains, we don't really play well at Old Trafford and, and Man United don't really play well at Anfield, no matter how bad the other team's playing. That just seems to be the way it goes, fans or no fans, but on Sunday I, th- I thought it was better um, and we have to be careful we don't want to sort of spin a-, a loss to our greatest rivals as a as a positive but compared to the last four or five weeks that w- that is what it was and and given that we don't overly care about the FA Cup or rather Klopp doesn't overly care about the FA Cup we can definitely take some positives from that going into Thursday night can't we? Uh,
1: yeah definitely I think that was a pretty good summary I mean a um, record at Old Trafford hasn't really um, uh, been that great over the last couple of years. And, you know, you're always going to have a tough game, regardless of um, who's in that starting lineup or who uh, comes onto the pitch. Um, uh, I think Klopp really had a go. I I mean, it was quite a a strong lineup. There was, um, uh, he kept faith in uh, Rhys Williams, which, um, you know, I I always have faith in Klopp's decision, but I knew he was going to be into trouble. Um, uh, facing the players that he had to face Uh, but you know regardless of who you have on the pitch it's always going to be a battle um, uh, when you're playing Man United and um, I I thought it was um, uh, an okay performance you know it wasn't uh, extremely frustrating I did think that um, there were times where um, some of the challenges were a bit um, half-hearted Milner did well in most of his challenges and uh, he did sort of show some leadership which was nice to see um, but nevertheless you know it, it was the kind of game where um, it could have gone either way and uh, on the night it went Man United's way um, I wasn't really surprised with the outcome of the game um, it wasn't uh, I mean of course it was disappointing but it's not then of the world you know who who rates the FA Cup anyway Klopp certainly doesn't rate it it seems obvious um, but you know we still went for it and unfortunately Uh, We're not on to the next round now. Um, I think uh, it was uh, at least a good starting point in terms of, you know, getting back into form. Um, Mo Salah scoring two brilliant goals, which I'm sure we'll talk about, um, including one with his uh, right foot, uh, the chip with his right foot. Uh, which was uh, a nice reminder that he does actually have a functioning right foot.
0: Yeah, talk talk about unprecedented times. <laughs> that really t- does accentuate it, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> I mean, what a way to get the first goal of 2021. Mo Salah chipping the goalkeeper with his right foot. Uh, I mean, I, I thought that was uh, one of the highlights. Um, I mean, it, so all, all in all, it was it was it was okay. Um, uh, you know, Man United. I thought they took advantage of. Um, some of the mistakes that we did, and that's pretty much how their um, game plan works. And uh, credit to Bruno Fernandes, you know, uh, coming on and uh, scoring another uh, brilliant free kick. I think he's been one of the uh, players of the season so far. So, you know, it is what it is, but um, the the best we can do right now is just uh, take the positives from the game and uh, try and bounce back against Spurs.
0: Yeah, I completely, completely agree with everything you've said there, and we will, we will come to talk, uh, come on to talk about Reese Williams and the general centre half uh, scenario at the minute. Um, later in the podcast, um, well, I mean, me and you are the only ones that have that have bothered turning up here tonight, and everyone else had had um, some convenient problems which stopped them talking about us losing to Manchester United. Uh, no, I'm only messing, yeah, uh, but it's uh, it's yeah, it's one of those things. Um, so. My frustration with it, Cheng, is is that when you go to Old Trafford, especially given the record we talked about, um, that we've both talked about in the introduction there, given that that terrible record we have, when you go there and you score two goals, and as you say, two brilliant, brilliant goals, like that's a that's a Manchester United side who I think they were slightly more attacking, they were slightly more positive than what we were, well, what they were at Anfield, uh, the week before and in the last sort of four or five meetings between the two clubs, but. It, they were still defending very compact in huge numbers loads of players behind the ball um wingers doubling up with the full backs to to uh to nullify our, our wide players and there just wasn't generally a lot of space and the two goals we do score are really are bits of class especially that first one uh, you mentioned the Salah finish which is brilliant but that Firmino ball three is absolutely world class for me um, and it's so frustrating that we, we've produced those, those couple of moments of magic and we've still not been able to win because when you go to Old Trafford and you score two goals you sort of expect the back line to to do their bit and and, and hold out but it, it, it was frustrating because it was kind of three mistakes as well, really, compared to our two bits of quality. And you know, for the first goal for 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 Liverpool, as I say, it's it's a it's an incredible bit of play. I mean, it's like there's no space there, and for, it was like Firmino of the old, the Firmino that we we saw at Crystal Palace, but haven't really seen since since before lockdown. And the the second goal as well, I think it's Firmino again who finds a pass. It's a lovely dummy by Milner. Uh, and the kind of Salah with one of those scruffy finishes that we're we're used to seeing under the under Mo those those goals he gets that, that that sort of add up and he ends up getting 30 40 in a season and um, it was it, the the attacking certainly was a lot better wasn't it like we we were knocking the ball around at the edge of their box we clearly gained a bit of confidence from that first goal and um, Thiago was kind of was was incredible and in the ball Milner was making those late runs and. Do you think that 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 that's, that that's the the monkey off the back now in terms of the attacking play? Do you think they'll play with a little bit more freedom and and uh, and, and hopefully rediscover the goal-scoring form that, that we've that we're used to seeing from this this Liverpool side over the last two three years?
1: Well, you'd like to hope so. I mean, um, uh, the the two goals were absolutely brilliant, as you mentioned. Um, uh, Bobby Firmino, you know, what a guy. Uh, he could play like if he plays a full ninety minutes, he could uh, he could spend maybe 50, 60 minutes of those um, kind of becoming invisible in bits bits and pieces. Like he might not be too involved in the game, but then he just needs that one chance uh, where he receives the ball in a nice position. And uh, the least you expect that he would just uh, put in that brilliant ball um, like he did for the first one. Uh, You know, and it was also very nice to kind of not have to rely or be scared of VAR, although I'm pretty sure most of us have uh, Var ptsd by now um so even though you know mo is on side you're still looking to see if you know it's going to be uh chalked off or you know they're going to start reviewing it over and over again
0: yeah it, uh, it, hit, it hit somebody's hand 45 seconds ago or something like that you know what they're like
1: yeah yeah well i mean i've kind of become refractory to it as well like um i'm 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 really uh, sort of uh, hit my threshold level um of annoyance and i'm kind of in the mindset of you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So we can't really change anything. Uh, but anyway, it was nice to not have to, you know, talk about any uh, refereeing decisions or uh, any controversial VAR um, uh, things going on. Um, so, yeah, the goals were um, absolutely brilliant. And for the second one as well, uh, you know, Milner being involved, making a late run and uh, doing a dummy. Uh, I think he didn't get a touch on that. He let it, he let it go um, from Bobby's pass. And he he
0: created another chance for himself only about a minute before with a similarly late run. I mean, it was a poor finish, but we haven't really seen that from our midfielders getting forward and kind of the mould that uh, how Gini got his two goals against Barcelona last year, for example. Like, Milner really did offer that. He gambled and that gives you another dimension to your attack and play when midfielders break forward and break the lines and do that, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and that's pretty much, you know, kind of, um, that pretty much showed us what we've been missing um, when you know um, Henderson is in midfield and he has the freedom to go forward, I think um, uh, last few seasons we've seen the best of Henderson when um, he was given the freedom or when he showed his leadership qualities by you know what he was doing further up the pitch rather than uh, behind the pitch and just yelling at, at, at other players. You know, uh, we we've seen time and time again in the last uh, few seasons where Henderson was making the um, runs down the right hand side. Um, uh, you know together with Trent and uh putting some important balls in and stuff like that so and Miller showed that uh, on the other side of the pitch so he was making uh, more runs on the left-hand side and creating chances and spaces and you know we've um we've lacked some creativity in midfield in uh, recent times um, even with Thiago you know he's he's been brilliant since um, he started playing um you know some people criticizing that He slows the game down too much, which which I think is bullshit personally. Um, uh, You know, he he does make some really good uh, passes, although I think he still needs just a bit more time to uh, totally understand uh, the runs that our forward players are making um, and just to get that perfect through ball um, uh, for our forward line. But, um, you know, we've been lacking uh, the, the, uh, the sort of creativity in midfield for some time now. Um, and um, since you um, mentioned, you know, how Man United were, um, uh, you know, sitting back in um, two blocks of four, and you know, uh, being very compact and not giving too much space, and, and they were rightly to do so, since you know, it's it's been shown by um, the last five games or so um, that you know we're, we're not managing to, um, you know, get past these low-block defending teams, uh, but you know, we we did so um, uh, against Man United. Um, we were much more uh, courageous, I would say. Uh, it sort of felt like you know, we had um, almost nothing to lose and, and so we went for it. But you know, with that comes um, a, a bit of vulnerability. So I think uh, pretty much all the goals that we conceded um, was due to the desire of um, you know, trying to stamp our authority uh, further um, up on the pitch. And with the lack of um, leadership um, uh, in our defense... Um, and the poor form of our fullbacks, I think uh, we suffered a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think um, it was definitely an important performance in the sense that um, we scored two brilliant goals. We show that, you know, um, we're still able to score goals, um, even though it looks like it's going to be unlikely. Um, and uh, perhaps now we just have to um, rethink about how we deal um, with defending against, uh, you know, counter-attacking sides. Um, uh, considering we um, lost to Burnley with a um, late conceded um, uh, penalty, and then now um, against Man United in the, uh, in the 80th minute or so um, with that uh, uh, with that free kick. So I think um, uh, we, you know, we have been lacking some very important characters at the back. Um, and you know, transform uh, um, uh, with uh, tons of uh, unsuccessful crosses hasn't really helped um, the team as well. I think um, uh, you know, with simply Trent and Robo um, being more being more involved um, with the um, attacking part and uh, delivering some more successful crosses, uh, we could solve um, some of our problems above the pitch. And uh, hopefully, we can um, uh, you know, we get Matip back. Uh, for the next game, I think um, uh, uh, he should be back. I don't think he's injured. They just wanted to.
0: Spare. No, he's not. It be... was just precautionary. He's definitely yeah. back for Tottenham.
1: Well, you, you'd like to think so. Hopefully, keeping our fingers crossed. You never mm-hmm. know with matic but um, you know, hopefully, we can. Um, you know, if we don't concede as many goals, I do believe that uh, we'll start scoring more goals um, in the next couple of
0: games. Yeah, I think so, and I think if you see Matip and Fabinho at the back, um, with that same attacking lineup we saw uh, against Manchester United, we we're probably in the in the hat for the fifth round right now. Um, in in terms of like of what you say there about, I think it's an important point you make that. Um, you know, Manchester United, they do get a little bit of criticism for how they play uh, against the bigger sides. You know, they're they're more than happy to take their points against Liverpool and, and Manchester City usually. And you know, there's a question mark as to whether long term that's gonna accrue them the the number of points they'll need to mount a title challenge. But certainly in those individual games, we, we we do find it very difficult to play against. And we will come on to talk about the centre half scenario a little bit later on in the podcast. But I think the fact that there is such a It seems harsh to use this word around Reese Williams because it's not his fault. And I actually think he's performed admirably uh, when he's been called upon for the majority of this season. But uh, there's a glaring weakness in the back line. And I think that, you know, you you look back a year ago uh, when we had Van Dijk Gomez uh, and Matip all vying for places. And I know there, when fans are in the ground, this this helps us as well because I think there were there was somebody making the point uh, over the weekend that you know if Manchester United had eighty thousand people in Old Trafford, uh, would their supporters have allowed them to play that way? Would they have demanded more? Would they have let us uh, dominate the game, dominate possession uh, in the way in which we did? But when I think when you have got Rhys Williams there, or have got Phillips there, or or even Henderson or somebody like that, um. When you, when you haven't got your main centre-halves there, it, it makes the game plan so easy for other teams. Um, and that's why I'm quite worried about this season with the centre-half scenario being what it is, with Van Dijk and Gomez unlikely to play this season. That That's what worries me because previously teams would sit in, but they had no outlet. You know They, they would clear the ball and it would just come straight back to them or they'd mount to a counter-attack and Van Dijk and Gomez with the recovery pace would, would swallow it up and we just go again. And it was wave after wave, whereas... It's still wave after wave. We're still dominating possession. But teams now have that incentive. They just know, you know, lads, if we just stay compact here, if we just keep our shape, then we'll get a chance. We'll get a break on the counter. You know, Reese Williams will miss a ball. Milner will will misjudge a header. And I think that's the most annoying thing because previously we were mentally grinding down opponents in that way where it was just, you know, the no way out. They had to face constant pressure. And inevitably, uh, within 90 minutes, you know, they were going to concede as, as they did for... The, you know the first part of the last season before before lockdown but that that that's kind of the most frustrating thing for me. But as I say, we will we will come on to talk about that because there's been a little bit of news uh, since we since the last copcast podcast about kind of Klopp coming out and not having a go at the owners, but um, but certainly suggesting that he he would uh, that he has a different opinion to them on the centre half scenario anyway. And just just quickly on on I want to talk about Milner quickly. Uh, I know you, you've chatted about him. I'll just throw my two pence in, and then we'll talk about Thiago as well because I think he's a it's a it's a fascinating enigma uh, the Tiago Thi- scenario, but. With Milner, you know, it's so frustrating. This isn't a really uh, a tactically astute point for me, but it seems like uh, every every attack we were mounting in the last three or four games was, you know, it was a cross in, which was either either too soft and the defenders cleared at the front post, or it was too hard and it kind of dribbled out for a goal kick, or the defender kind of half dealt with it and it dribbled on through to the goalkeeper. But with Milner there, you saw twice he broke the lines, twice he got in behind. Like, that chance he has just before the goal is, it's... You know, it's for me to on the guard what for the header. Neither of them really win it. There's a bit of a ricochet. And in the last four weeks, I sort of feel that just bounces on through to the goalkeeper and it's another attack wasted, whereas Milner makes that gamble. And it is a gamble because, you know, if if, if that doesn't pay off, I guess... Uh, world man light in midfield and Manchester United can mount the counter attacks that they did all game, but his at the same time I I think the the reward is is worth the risk because I mean he ends up kind of making the goal without as you say he doesn't actually touch it, but he, he it's kind of like he deserves that assist I feel um as much as it, it's not his, but uh, that that really impressed me and I still think that I um. That a fresh Milner is a, a a massive asset to this Liverpool side. I know he's thirty five, and know it doesn't take much for his legs to go. But if we can sort of, and it's difficult in this injury scenario, but if we can manage his minutes to the extent where he plays maybe one in every three, he can come in and really reinvigorate this side and give us the energy that I think we've been lacking in the midfield. Um, and with Thiago, um, I thought he was I thought he was an amazing on the ball. I fully agree with you. Like I don't know, uh, who has been saying, um who has been kind of saying he's been slowing the game down. I think the one criticism uh, I would maybe have is that uh, off the ball, he can look a little bit all over the place sometimes, but I think that's as a result of not having Henderson and Fabinho um, who, who have, you know, incredible legs, incredible athleticism and and kind of do a lot of the heavy lifting in that midfield. Whereas Thiago's been a little bit stretched defensively and isn't really used to that because he's played for Barcelona. He's played for Bayern when, uh, when those guys have 80% of the possession, but on the ball, I mean he's gonna be so important to us, isn't he? Especially if we can I, I still don't think he's he's played with Henderson very much. Um certainly a, with Henderson in midfield, because you know, when you look at his two poorer performances, which I would say are are Burnley and, and Southampton, and maybe even United last weekend, I didn't think he was fantastic. All of those games have either been with Henderson out or Henderson at center half and I think if we can get those two together in midfield, it can be real. It could be a really exciting end of the season for us, and it could really reinvigorate us. Uh,
1: for sure. I mean, to start with Milner. I mean, we have seen over the years that you know he he has all all that you need in terms of leadership and determination and experience of the game. I, I mean, uh, you know, one of one of his um, uh, earlier highlights was. Uh, That that brilliant run he makes uh, when Klopp first uh, took charge uh, and scoring that goal against Man City, um, uh, which was a brilliant finish. And, you know, he's known not to be uh, the quickest, but it's his intelligence and um, his experience of the game which allows him to uh, make those runs and create space for himself and, uh, you know, distract some players and opening up space for uh, guys like Mo who are in the vicinity and who can... Uh, uh, just finish off the uh, the chance, you know. Um, so definitely, especially in, uh, in the case of um, when you have um, a leader uh, such as Henderson, um, who's injured at the moment, um, that's especially when you uh, need a player like uh, James Milner to step up and, uh, you know, um, uh, show some experience and authority on the game. Uh, because when you think of it, we are actually lacking um, some leadership. Uh, so Van Dijk is out. Um, you know, Genie is um, sort of one of the leaders of the team, but he's not known to be the most vocal, I would say. So he he, he does tend to sort of uh, maybe calm the game down a bit, but he, he's not as um, uh, organizing as the others, you know, or vocal as um, Hendo or Milner. Um, and, you know, uh, Mo and uh, Bobby, I'm sure they think um, they also have some leadership skills, but, you know, uh, when, you're, when you're in the middle of the park, um, right between the defence and the forward line, I think that's really where you can show um, the leadership. Or when you're uh, further behind the pitch, which we've seen uh, with Virgil as well, he's quite vocal. Um, so with, with these guys missing, uh, there's always going to be um, a vacuum in leadership. And I think uh, uh, M- Milner's uh, most important role was um, his leadership in this game. Um, you know, a few, some, uh, a few really nice challenges... Uh, to remind the players of which type of game they're playing and making those runs and, you know, taking responsibility, taking uh, risks and uh, taking uh, the, the right risks uh, at the right time. Um, so I think it was brilliant by him and we'll, we'll certainly need him in this um, um, uh, in this season filled with injuries and um, incredibly bad luck. I think he um, he's definitely, it's probably his last year, we won't see him um, next year unless, does he have a, um, an additional year on the contract, he, he might do, I'm not sure. No, he's
0: out of con- he's definitely out of contract this summer. It's just a case of whether we offer him a new one.
1: Okay, well, I mean, uh, I suppose it will be his last um, season with us. And, um, you know, we have to make the most of it because um, he's the kind of player who would sort of um, steady a sinking ship. And I think that's exactly um, why, why we need him to be uh, in and around the squad um, this time round. Um, so yeah, it, it was great to see his uh, contributions. Unfortunately, um, uh, it was very good, but it wasn't uh, enough for this time. But um, regarding Thiago, um, you know, I saw I saw someone um, put together an image of what our possible um, starting eleven could look like if everyone was fit, and uh, you know that midfield had Fabinho, Henderson, and Thiago, and oh. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I just can't imagine the day we will see those three playing all together with uh, Virgil at the back. And I think it's, you know, uh, there's no doubt that, you know, as, as a complete squad and team, um, uh, you know, we're still yet to see uh, the, the full capacities of um, our current squad due to the injuries. But, you know, once we have our injury situation uh, sorted out and um, we see Thiago together with Fabinho and Henderson, I think it's going to be a whole different dimension. and. You know, there's been a lot of criticism um, of, you know, FSG and um, the transfer activities and um, all that kind of stuff. But when you actually go back and think about it, um, had we had all our uh, players fit and we didn't have this massive injury crisis, we actually spent more money. I think it's been the first time since a while that we actually had positive net spend. So we actually spent quite a lot on uh, incoming transfers this past summer. And it's just because we um, uh, didn't manage to uh, get rid of Shakiri or um, Origi and uh, so on that we, uh, we've basically not been able to uh, bring in some defensive reinforcements. But you know, then again, no one could have really predicted um, uh, two long-term injuries to Van Dyke and Joe Gomez. I mean, Gomez is a bit more um, susceptible to just getting injured by himself uh, in training, but especially with Van Dyke. Uh, No one really saw that coming. Uh, And, you know, he's had incredibly amazing uh, fitness levels. So if it wasn't for um, uh, that nasty tackle, um, he would have still uh, still been with us probably. Uh, But the one thing which I think we have lacked and which has been problematic in the end um, is, um, uh, you know, getting rid of Lovren or letting him go um, and not replacing him. Uh, but then again, as I as I said again, you know, we were always prepared for um, some emergency um, scenarios, such as Fabinho, um having to play centre back if needed, you know, Henderson um, uh, having the possibility to drop back. I think Genie's played uh, in a back three um, uh, one or two times, so you know, we were always prepared for an emergency scenario. But I think no one could have predicted two um, almost season-ending. Um, Injuries for our uh, first two um, center backs um, uh, of choice. So, um, you know, it's it's kind of uh, extremely unfortunate, but we just have to uh, deal with the situation now. And uh, I think I don't think we've reached uh, rock bottom, although we have reached um, a a season low. Uh, But, you know, I I think uh, one of the commentators which I was watching the game pointed out uh, pretty much all teams went through um, a bad phase in this wild, crazy season. Uh, Man United had a bad start. Uh, Man City um, uh, had a had a, a poor patch. Uh, Spurs have recently sort of not 100%, but they've mostly come out of a, uh, a bad run of games. Um, Arsenal are still, you know, Arsenal being Arsenal, uh, and Chelsea as well. So I think now we've kind of, I'm, I'm hoping that we've reached um, uh, you know, uh, a certain level of low, which uh, I, I hope that uh, will not reach a new um, uh, other level. But, um, you know, with, with the FA Cup out now, I think it's it, it could be a blessing in disguise uh, because now all that we have left um, is uh, the Champions League and the Premier League. And I think uh, the current size of our squad and available players um, is only, um, uh, you know, enough to accommodate two major competitions anyway.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's completely fair. And, and let's and let's talk about the the centre half scenario because I mean, it's it's all everyone's really been talking about ever since Klopp did come out. On, I can't remember if it was after Burnley on Thursday night or on Friday morning, but certainly fairly soon after that game, Klopp basically, and I'll paraphrase it, he, he kind of just said, you know, I'm at odds with the owners. I, I, um, you know, a centre back would definitely improve us, but I'm not the one that makes these decisions. Um, it's at the stage now where. I'd almost be, it would almost wind me up more if we got a centre back because I'd I'd just be thinking, why didn't we get him in on the 1st of January? And we could could have beaten Man United, we could still be in the FA Cup and even possibly have a few more points in the league. Um, So it's frustrating from that perspective. But as you say, um, FSG don't really do short termism unless they can get somebody cheap or get somebody on loan. I'm thinking Stephen Cocker in uh, in 2015. <laughs> yeah, let's know. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd take him back, I'll tell you. I'd take Dexie back as well. Um, but, yeah, that, apart from that, that's really the only kind of short-term deal we've seen there. We know their business model. Um, we know that they, it's, it's more or less sell to buy. Um, you know, it's, it's not exactly that, but with, we have to generate the money ourselves, basically, with whether that's revenue. And we know we haven't had the matchday day revenue coming in in the last year. It's the same for everyone, but it's, it's, it's tough because. Clearly, this model has worked so far and I've seen supporters saying, you know, Klopp has saved FSG. Uh, FSG everyone wanted FSG out by now if it wasn't Klopp working his magic. And I think there is, you know, there is an element of that. You know, without Klopp, I don't think we'd have won the, the Premier League or the Champions League or any of these trophies in between that we've won under him. And um, I, w- I just wonder if, if we had, we you know, say a, a Rodgers-esque manager where you know, maybe there was improvement. There's a, it's a strong business model, and it's it's clearly one that that, that does work overall. But if we didn't have the trophies and the magic the clubs brought us, uh, would everyone have a little bit less patience with FSG? And it's, we know. I, I really can't see them doing anything this last week. I couldn't see them doing anything in January anyway, because we've already had to, uh, we've already had to, kind of do a diddle in the summer transfer market where we only pay five minutes. Uh, five million of of Jota's fee in the first year and pay the rest after it. And there was something similar with Thiago. Uh, and everyone does it. It's uh, you know, it's it's to balance the books, and you have to kind of stand the right side of FFP. So having already stretched that much um to bring those guys in. Um, it's it's difficult to see to see kind of what where they can do anything in January unless they can get somebody on loan. I mean. I, I mentioned William Saliba uh, of Arsenal on the podcast, and he's, he's gone to Nice, and he's now playing first-team football on loan. Um, I think said Diop, there were rumours about him as well, but it looks like we're not going to do anything. And as, I, as, as as we both said, and I've, I've already said on this podcast, having somebody like Reese Williams or Phillips or whoever it is there, uh, it, it's a massive it's a massive arrow on their head saying target me and if you've got Henderson there then you don't have the legs of Henderson and Fabinho uh, at the back and we know we can't we can't rely on Matip so I mean what what would you do? Are you in the are you in the camp of just kind of sign anyone, you know, sign anyone, sign Socrates from Arsenal, sign anyone crap, just so we can we can we can kind of get a stopgap in there for six months or or do you kind of see the the more long the the longer term picture uh, of the whole of the whole situation.
1: I mean, the thing is like, um, been following, you know, Liverpool in and out since FSG took over, you know, they, they, they've done some uh, mistakes in the past and uh, they, they've they really decided on a type of uh, strategy which they're really not going to um, change their way of running the club. I think it's, uh, they, they made it pretty obvious now. Um, and to be fair to them, they, they've done extremely well um, in, in, in their shrewd pieces of business. And, um, especially with the recruitment, uh, with Michael Edwards and, uh, bringing Klopp in and, you know, Klopp comes from a background where, um, and a country where, you know, it's, it's not really common for, um, uh, for clubs or in general German lifestyle for people to just, uh, splash the cash and just spend, uh, all the money they have, you know, the, the culture there is, Saving the money, and uh, you know, German people really like the uh, DIY uh, kind of um, situation, so they know that they can, uh, even in general life, you know, you can just go and buy something ready made or you can make it yourself. And they always prefer the option to make it themselves, you know, not just to save money, but uh, they enjoy trying to find solutions rather than, um, you know, buying the solution if you like. Um, so that that's just, it just fits perfectly the way FSG run the club uh, and the way that uh, Klopp has his own personal and the German mentality. Um, and uh, I, I just can't see it going the other way. Um, you know, he, Klopp has said in the past that, you know, um, they can't just go ahead and start buying players every time they have injuries. Because when the players are then fit, then uh, you have to explain to the others why they have to sit on the bench as long as others are fit. So. It just doesn't work like that, unfortunately. You know, us as fans, um, when we um, see such an injury situation or, you know, see the lack of players available due to even though extremely um, um, uh, unfortunate situations, we always um, want the quick fix, the quick solution, and that is to uh, bring in a new player. But um, uh, I know exactly how uh, Klopp feels and what he thinks, and he was... He was obviously frustrated because people keep on asking him about, uh, you know, why no why no one's being brought in and, you know, testing whether uh, it's down to uh, his decision or not. But uh, I don't think there was any um, uh, malice, actually, in his comments because, uh, you know, he, he did actually say to the reporter, like, so is this a big surprise to you? that?" Yeah.
0: It, it wasn't Rafa you know that- and Hex and Gillette, was it? Put it that way.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, so, I mean... It, he, he knows how the club is run. It's no surprise for Klopp. It's no surprise for me personally. It's no surprise for a big majority of the fans as well. Um, and uh, he knows that he has to just sort of uh, find an internal solution. Uh, and that's, that's the only way to go. Um, because, you know, throughout his career of managing clubs in Germany, um, he was never really given tons of cash, regardless of the injury situation, and said, Okay, go buy this player. Okay, now go buy that player. He always, um, up to now in a successful career, always found the solutions, uh, firstly from inside of his squad. Um, and I think he he did all the correct business in the summer. Uh, it was quite ambitious and amazing to see all these um, new players coming in. Um, you know, Jota, fantastic signing. Really unfortunate with his injury as well. Uh, Chimikas has been a bit, You know, a bit of a disappointment regarding not being able to stay fit. A bit of a a Nabi Keita Vol 2, if you ask me. Um, But, you know, uh, I think when when Trent first broke into into the team, um, if I remember correctly, it was also due to um, a a bit of an injury uh, situation with uh, Nathaniel Klein getting the big injury um, and uh, us not really having a, a proper backup. Um, So, you know, every sort of injury situation will be a chance uh, for the uh, coveted academy players to step up because, you know, if everyone really is fit all the time, uh, then when do these academy players actually have a chance of, you know, um, showing that they can take the responsibility and step up? Okay, maybe the FA Cup and um, uh, the Carabao Cup, but, you know, we've, we've already shown that we haven't really been Progressing in these uh, competitions for um, uh, for for the last couple of years, so I think you know even though uh, Reese is at fault for um, regarding his lack of experience um, uh, for a few goals uh, in the last couple of games that he's played, uh, I think he will have learned a lot from uh, the last couple of games as well, um, and hopefully that can work in his favor. And uh, you know, uh, the next time he's called upon, he can um, uh, maybe learn from his mistakes and. Um, uh, put in some more solid performances. I mean, these are all chances for the um, uh, Academy players and even fringe players like Nat Phillips, who was kind of the forgotten man. And, you know, uh, last few times he stepped on the pitch. I don't think he's um, done much wrong, to be honest. So um, I think Klopp will always, you know, um, with the way the uh, journalists, journalists are asking their questions, it might seem like he's having a dig at the at the owners. But in reality, when you look back at the summer, um, uh, we've, um, uh, we've spent more than we received. Uh, we haven't managed to, um, offload players like, um, Origi and Shaq, and, um, uh, you could argue for a few others as well. Um, so I, I was never really expecting any, uh, January incomings, to be honest with you. Uh, we just have to deal with what we have in front of us. I think now we have two comps, uh, the Premier League and the Champions League. Hopefully we'll get a few players back, um, such as Jota in February, I believe. Uh, Hopefully no setbacks um, on his uh, return. Um, I'm not sure, are we going to be able to see Van Dijk or Gomez? Probably not, but uh, you can't really entirely rule them out. But uh, of course, it would be unfair to rely on their return. But, you know, it's also a a gentle reminder that uh, we did have a good run of form um, uh, and got some very important points uh, with Fabinho and Reese or Nat Phillips or um, someone else coming in. So, you know, some of the results that we got in uh, some really tough games, um, we've already missed. Like the, the Van Dijk and Gomez were already not playing in those games. So this team is indeed capable of turning things around. It's just a matter of when and uh, not if, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a good point you make there as well about Trent coming in. Because what people forget about Trent, because he's been world-class for us for three years was when he originally came in, everyone wanted him out of the side. Everyone was desperate for Klein to get back. I remember um, there was one particular game that sticks out for me. It was Crystal Palace. Uh, I think we ended up winning 2-1, but Trent was kind of all over the place against Zaha. And we went on to play Man City in the quarterfinals in the, of the Champions League when we beat them 3-0 at Anfield. And everyone was petrified about Trent and because he was perceived to be so weak defensively at the time. And that tag kind of still does follow him about, even to this day, maybe not to the same extent, but that that's what we kind of have to remember with, with someone like Reese Williams. And no, don't get me wrong, I don't think Reese Williams has the, the ceiling of a Trent or or someone else or even a Curtis Jones, but um, we do have to we do have to kind of give him time. It's it's to be expected that he'll make these mistakes and it's not his fault that he's been put in this scenario. It's it's unfair on him almost. Um, I'm sure he's not complaining when he's been selected for Liverpool at eighteen years of age having only got non-league experience, but at the same time, you know, for his future development and his, his confidence, it's probably, it's a big ask of the, of the kid. And I think he's, he's done really well overall, even if it was uh, a little bit of a disaster on Sunday. On the, on the Van Dyke, on the, uh, sorry, on the centre half thing, just to kind of wrap up on it, I'm kind of 50-50 on it. I'm leaning towards just kind of sign anyone and get us through this season. And the reason for that is, and a lot of people have, have, have made this point in the last week is, you know, what if we don't qualify for the Champions League? That's gonna that's gonna hurt us financially a lot more than kind of tweaking the business model for just once. And you know, out of six months, we can balance the books in the summer, as you say, with offloading the likes of Shaqiri, Origi, uh, Harry Wilson. There are a lot of players we couldn't really get rid of, probably because of the the uh, the kind of volatile financial situation of the world at the moment. But um, my worry is that we don't qualify for the Champions League and we're in a bit of a precarious position for that right now. And listen, let's hope that Sunday wasn't a false dawn. Let's hope that that is us back to our attacking best. And once Matip and Fabinho are back in, we'll be solid and we'll look like the Liverpool of the old. But if it's, if, if that's not the case, then we could find ourselves in the Europa League and down hundreds of millions of pounds in terms of revenue and TV money as well. And, you know, that, that's my worry because I understand that the, that the, the you know, 35, 40 million it might take to get an acceptably good placeholder of a centre half in right now. And obviously you have to remember there's going to be a desperation tax added onto that because every club in the world knows we need a centre half and it's going to stick 10, 15 million onto their price tag. But, you know, while that may hit us financially short term, being out of the Champions League could could really hit us financially. And, you know, I almost think that FSG are kind of relying on Klopp's magic, they're kind of thinking, well, yes, this is a bit of a risk, but we we back Klopp to be the brilliant manager that he is, to to work miracles to get us into the Champions League and or even if we go out of the Champions League next year to get us back in or to, you know, to win the Europa League, whatever it may be. I feel like, you know, listen, every businessman and businesswoman is a every entrepreneur is a risk taker. There are risks all the time taking in business, but this does seem like quite a volatile one. On the other hand, what I would say is cast your mind back to the summer of 2017 um, when you know <laughs> allegedly Klopp met uh, van dyke in blackpool and <laughs> uh, <laughs> and chatted him up and asked him to come and obviously we we didn't end up signing van dyke until the the summer and there were a lot of people sort of saying just go out and get anyone go out and get anyone for 30 40 million go out and get a johnny evans or somebody like that uh, an acceptable placeholder um and you could argue, you know, FSG could, uh, if they were listening to this, which they're obviously not, they could turn around just and say, well, look, you were all telling us to get anyone in uh, in 2017 instead of Van Dyke. We waited six months and, and look what happened now. We're champions of England, the world, Europe, whatever. But, you know, every, that, that's, that's the kind of dilemma they're in. Because for those six months that we didn't have Van Dyke, that he was still at Southampton, if he, if he had come in, then if we got a, another centre-half in, then there could have been a slight benefit to that. We might have had a few more points in the league. Uh, but long-term, obviously, and that's what FSG have to look at. It's what their job is to look at. Um, long-term, we get Van Dijk and, and we win all these things. So uh, are we just kind of sitting here after we've lost to Man United and thinking, oh, no, we don't have the bragging rights. there are our mates. They're United supporting mates over the next couple of days, and so we'll just get anyone in. Whereas FSG kind of have to think about the bigger picture. Yeah, I mean, um, firstly,
1: regarding the Champions League, I think um, one thing which uh, playing in Europe is uh, different from playing in the Premier League is that, you know, we've been playing the same pretty much barring maybe uh, three teams which are going down. We've been playing the same teams uh, over and over again. Um, so, you know, a lot of the top teams and even the, the, the mid-table or lower teams have kind of um, slightly got used to the way that we play, you know, how we press up front and um, uh, what our general game plan is or, you know, the, the sort of style and the tricks and the runs of Mane and Salah and, you know, how Bobby's dropping deep to feed them and, and, and so on. And while this is sort of, um, you, know, you know, everyone is watching these on TV so you can uh, actually analyze them, it's a different story when you actually play against such a team. Um, And there aren't really that many teams uh, in Europe which are playing uh, quite at the intensity that we are playing uh, at the moment. Um, So, you know, even uh, Barcelona and uh, Real Madrid, who used to be the uh, sort of um, old heavyweights, uh, they can't really play that way anymore. I would say uh, maybe Bayern, um, uh, and uh, you could argue maybe Juventus, and maybe PSG are the uh, main contenders for the sort of, uh, um, uh, high octave and a very high intensity um, uh, sort of uh, uh, style of play. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't think it's um, very easy to uh, play against us. And I I haven't really seen that many indications that our, um, uh, you know, our our forward play, our passing or our pressing uh, has de- de- deteriorated in any way. I mean, you could actually argue that, especially when uh, Jordan Henderson is dropping back into uh, center half, uh, it leaves a bit of a, mo- a void in midfield, and uh, maybe our pressing game isn't as intense as when he's uh, involved in the midfield. But nevertheless, um, if you look at any game um, uh, that we're playing in, um, most of the game is played um, on the opposition side, um, and we we still do um, tend to dominate possession and uh, really harass um, the opposition when they have the ball. Uh, it's just, I think, the um, after three years of uh, really um, finding it very difficult to cope um, against our play um it, it could just be that you know uh, the opponents really um, you know they they're a bit more fine-tuned uh, to sort of defend uh, the crosses of Trent and uh, andy robo and you know try and uh, deal with the press but I think um, any team uh, in the Champions league in in, in Europe would find it mo- a lot more difficult than uh, premier League teams to um, try and contain us so I think we still have a, uh, have a very good chance in Europe. I just really want to avoid uh, Let's Go Madrid at any point. But I think um, Leipzig is the perfect starting point because um, um, I would say they, they have a um, a similar sort of uh, pace and um, sort of way of attacking on the counterattack to Man United, but they're not really um, as, um, as defensively good as uh, Man United. So... Um, I think it would be a high-scoring game, but we'd probably get through. Um, uh, And I would just really like to um, avoid a team like Atletico Madrid um, in in the latter stages if we do. Um, So, I mean, I'm not not really entirely sure. I wouldn't really put us as favorites to uh, win the Champions League, not by any stretch. But I wouldn't really, um, uh, I don't really think we were in danger of immediate uh, dropping to the Europa League either. That's my opinion anyway. Um, and yeah as you said you know just because we don't have the bragging rights over man united uh, of course doesn't mean that we're gonna go ahead and sign a, a center half as you as you very nicely pointed out um, you know um, uh, since the meeting with um, uh, Van Dyke at Blackpool uh, we, we, there was just a Allegedly. Bit of a delay, <laughs> just a bit of a delay in getting our man but you know we, we've been surprised um, several times over the last few, uh, transfer windows, um, you know, who saw Fabinho coming um, after the um, Champions League loss in uh, in, in Kiev? Um, were there any rumors about Diego Jota? I don't think there was a single rumor out there uh, about Jota or um, uh, Chimikas or, uh, you know, Tiago was maybe a bit more in the conversation, uh, so we knew a bit about him. But, um, you know, I-, I don't think our transfer targets are... Um, Um, are are being made available um, so we don't really know these information Um, I'm pretty sure there's work going on behind the scenes um, and they're aware of the injury situation Uh, they're not just telling Klopp to find a solution and um, uh, fuck off basically so um, I'm pretty sure there's some work being done but as you can um, also appreciate there's uh, it's incredibly difficult to um, you know do business um, in in, in this uh, current climate You know, some clubs are extremely desperate. Uh, I think Arsenal just um, uh, uh, brought in uh, someone on loan. Um, And, you know, some clubs may be doing very limited business. But uh, if you actually go back and look um, at our uh, club accounts, um, which um, Swiss Ramble every now and then um, uh, is sharing, um, I was actually quite surprised to see that we were actually not recording. uh, And this was um, before the pandemic. Uh, We weren't actually reporting um, uh, very high amounts of uh, operating profit. And this was, um, you know, it, it's, it's quite surprising when you think of all the prize money that we're getting, all the broadcast revenue, uh, all the match day revenue and uh, everything. When you when you take everything into consideration, we're actually not swimming in cash. And, and that's the reality. And it's only become worse uh, since they last published the accounts. Um, I think we, we were losing um, uh, around three and a half million uh, pounds um, every single match day um, because of the lack of match day revenue or something uh, something around that figure anyway. Um, so I think it, it you know it's it's easy to complain as a fan uh, about you know not spending even further money, but I think it would uh, be a bit unfair on um, both the owners and Klopp um, to simply ask for more and more signings because um, the re- the reality is that if it wasn't for um, the injury situation, which will not be permanent, hopefully, um, then we would have been in a totally different place and we would, we would never be talking about all of these. Um, and um, ho- hopefully, as, as, as I mentioned before as well, um, uh, we will slowly start turning this corner and hopefully this starts um, against Spurs and we start getting some nice results and uh, some confidence back in the team. But I think it would really make sense um, to you know, especially for Reese um, or Nat Phillips, um, who could be starting the next couple of games, you know, since they don't have a center half next to them. Uh, I mean, you could regard Fabinho as a center half for the rest of the season, unfortunately. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, since they don't have the likes of um, uh, uh, you know Virgil or uh, Gomez or Matić next to them uh, most of the time. Um, I think, especially when um, you know, when when we're lacking a bit of um, energy and leadership in midfield, I think I would rather um, see Jordan Henderson playing midfield, and I would um, continue maybe taking a few more risks with um, uh, Rhys Williams um, at the back, um, with um, and maybe Matip or uh, and 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 uh, take Fabinho back into midfield, um, or um, I don't know, play Matip with Fabinho, but maybe not definitely. Playing two defensive midfielders at centre
0: back. Yeah, and uh, you actually make a very um, shrewd point there. I think about the, the match day revenue because, and that you're right to sort of reference Swiss Ramble because they, they did an excellent sort of overview of our accounts. And uh, I also remember them saying that ourselves and Manchester United have a far higher um, match day revenue. Uh, is accounts for a far higher percentage of overall revenue uh, than the other eighteen clubs in the league. I think we're about twenty five percent of our overall revenues on match day, uh, compared to I think it's like the the lowest is four percent for Burnley. So you know, as as much as it is kind of the business model, probably is the it's the worst and the best at this kind of time of year because you know we're st- as you say we are a bit strapped for cash and we know FSG aren't going to pump the money in of their own account, but also it's uh, I think you'll see. A lot of clubs in the mud, uh, so to speak, financially, um, because they've kind of been a little bit too short term about it or have got this player in for the season and haven't overly um, considered to the same extent the, uh, the long term repercussions that we are. Um, so let's have a look. Let's go on and talk about the future then. We've done enough about West Ham. We've done enough about the centre halves. One of the good things about going out of the FA Cup is that we now have a bit of a break um well <laughs> I say a break. Uh, we, we're not playing three games in a week. <laughs> it's it's a ridiculous that we're saying that's a break now, uh, thanks to the scheduling of this season. But for the next seven games we can we can break them up into two blocks. Uh, so we've got midweek, we've got Tottenham away. Um, Then at the weekend, we've West Ham away. Then the next midweek, we've Brighton at home. And then the next weekend, we've Man City at home. And then we've got a break in that midweek while everyone else is playing their FA Cup games. Um, And then after that, we have Leicester away at the weekend, Leipzig away in the Champions League midweek, and then Everton at home at the weekend, followed by another break. Um, Let's let's talk about those four games before we individually talk about, uh, about Tottenham. You're looking at that, and I'm looking at Man City's fixtures, West Brom away, Sheffield home. Burnley away, um, compared to ourselves for those these next three fixtures, which are quite tough. I mean, we know how tough Tottenham is. West Hamaway won't be a barrel of laughs either. And, and Brighton at home, Brighton are, you know, they're a good performance at Man City, they got a good win at Leeds, and they seem to be um, they seem to be scoring the goals and getting the points that their performances have deserved. It's a it's a tricky run, but I mean, we sit now four points behind Manchester City, them having a game in hand and them having three fairly easy fixtures before they play us. Um, what is the what is the kind of minimum we can get from these next four games and still be in the title race? And I guess, you know, it, it, it kind of all revolves around beating City in that fourth game right now, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, um, uh, I, I quite like it that we're actually playing away because, you know, um, we're especially when you're playing a Jose Mourinho team. I I fucking hate every single time we play um, against him. I especially hate the home games when we play against him because, you know, Jose for me um, is um, a pretty one-dimensional sort of manager. He has his way. He knows exactly how to execute it. And the only way that he becomes successful is if the players completely buy into his um, uh, sort of plan and, um, you know, his, his strategy. Um, so we know exactly what to expect from Jose, but I think it's uh, uh, maybe working in our favour uh, that we're playing them uh, away from home in, uh, in the current state because um, they would they would maybe hope to uh, maybe keep the ball a bit more and uh, try and uh, exert their dominance. Uh, whereas if it was at Anfield, we, we know exactly what happened at Anfield. Uh, he tried to uh, do us as he usually Uh, tries and it didn't work and um, you know in the most dramatic uh, fashion possible which was absolutely my favorite game of the season so far Um, but you know I think it's um, uh, while I absolutely hate playing every single game against Jose I think it's um, uh, especially in this period if we do perform the way uh, that we have done against Man United and maybe defend a little bit better and have Henderson and Matic back Um, I think we could uh, definitely um, uh, at least draw or perhaps win the game um, at Spurs. Um, So I I think right now is a a, a better period to sort of uh, play a few away games where um, maybe the home team would like to have a bit more of the ball. And, um, uh, you know, as as you nicely mentioned, we will have um, some more time in between games. And while normally when we have a fully fit squad, um, uh, we usually seem to have better rhythm and um, uh, play more fluently when we play every three or four games. And we've also uh, sort of shown how poorly we perform um, uh, coming off the back of an international break, for example. But now in, in the current climate and current injury situation, I think um, uh, playing uh, less frequent games um, uh, could work in our favor because you know we don't really have uh, too much rotation options and Um, Maybe it could give uh, just uh, the valuable time which um, uh, Rhys Williams or um, Nat Phillips or even um, uh, God forbid Jordan Henderson would um, need if he he was to play centre back. Um, But you know, I think uh, hopefully we can use um, this time in our hands um, more efficiently this time round. And I do expect us to, uh, you know, um, especially if we win the next game against Spurs, I can see us going on a. Um, sort of mini-run in uh, maybe winning um, at least three of the next four um, and, you know, uh, having the spirits high um, against the Champions League game as well. Um, And I I, I do think that actually um, Man City could be struggling um, since uh, Kevin De Bruyne got his injury um, uh, recently and uh, Aguero out uh, with COVID. Um, So we'll see how they will cope, you know. Uh, You know, they lost uh, two of their most important players um, so it's, it's not going to be easy for them either um, uh, in these next couple of weeks. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're still to see how, how much longer um, Man United can continue their run. So uh, things can change very quickly in football. You know, we were uh, flying high um, and, you know, we were all, everyone's favorites to win the league. And then um, uh, uh, a few things happened and uh, we, we, you know, you know we, our form just dropped massively. Um, and now uh, people aren't really uh, considering us for uh, they're may, maybe even not fancying us finishing top four. So things can change really quickly in football. Uh, we just have to take it uh, game by game. I think the, the next game is always the uh, most important one. We can't really look um, too far ahead into um, the fourth or fifth game. But I think the next game, if we do manage to beat Spurs, uh, that could be a turning point in our season. And that's what I'm hoping to uh, find out.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely would be. I think. I think it, you look at Spurs away and you think that's probably the. Maybe the second most difficult fixture of the season, maybe third because of the rivalry with Manchester United and, and kind of our record there. But I mean Spurs away, especially under Mourinho, it's 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 going to be a big ask, and I just hope that 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 as I say before, Sunday wasn't a false dawn, and we can we can go there and, and really kickstart our season. Um, you look at that Man City game four four games from now, and I I've been looking at that kind of over the last couple of days, and I think it's kind of like in. What well, it was the year eighteen nineteen when we got ninety seven points and didn't win the league. I think it's it's a bit like that because remember there was a game. I think it was around the start of January, uh, and we were ten points ahead of them. They had a game in hand, so let let's say seven points. Um, and they beat us two one, and that kind of narrowed the gap to four. We dropped a couple more points over the course of the season, and people said we bottled it. We didn't. We lost our, you know, we won a ridiculous amount of games, and we lost a couple just because Manchester City were were so amazing. I think they won like fifteen, sixteen games in a row. Uh, just because that happened doesn't doesn't certainly doesn't constitute bottling it, but. Less than five millimetres or how many millimetres that was? Uh, in the Yeah, oh my days, remember that. Yeah, John Stones, wasn't it? Well, before he was good. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but so I, I'm kind of looking at that and I'm thinking it's a similar points gap. It probably will be. Um, let's hope that we can get at least seven points from Tottenham, West Ham and Burnley and stay within touching and distance. And, and as I say, without De Bruyne, um, maybe we can we can get one over on them and, and knock their confidence and, and get them in the kind of rut that we've been in over the last month. Um, But yeah, I mean, their next three, as I say, they're, they, on paper, they look quite, quite simple. But let's see what they're like without De Bruyne. You know, they've been able to rely on him all season. And, you know, he really is that... Uh, that talisman for them. He creates the chances. He opens up the defenses. And I think players in his position over the last year or two have maybe become um a lot more important. Maybe in the last year, I think it's it's maybe become the most important position on the pitch. I'd say beforehand it would have been the fullbacks, but yeah, let's just see how they let's just see how they cope with that. And I think personally, if we if we play like we did against United with Matip and Fabinho at the back, not making those mistakes, touch wood, um, then we'll have enough to uh to beat them. Uh, let's talk about the lineup before we finish. Uh, I'll name you eight players. I think it's going to be Alisson, Trent, Matip, Fabinho and Robertson. And I think the front three will be Mane, Salah and Firmino. Feel free to disagree with me on that, but I want you to pick me a midfield. Um, a, if Henderson's available, obviously Henderson's going to be in, and a midfield if he isn't available, because we're not quite sure right now in his fitness.
1: Um, So if Henderson's available, I think um, we don't really have the luxury to um, uh, maybe be a bit too brave. So I think we'll definitely, if if the options are available, um, we'll go um, Henderson, Genie and Thiago. Um, You know, some could argue that maybe um, Shaq could come in, but I think this is not really uh, the type of game where you would start Shaq. I think what you... Uh, really want in this game is to uh, perhaps get an early goal like we did against Man United um, and put the pressure on Spurs to maybe not try and defend too deep and uh, try and you know um, uh, try and play further up the field and that would create more opportunities for us. Uh, so I think the um, a, a high energy uh, pressing relentless midfield uh, would be uh, the ideal option. I think if Henderson is not available. Um, uh, I think we still uh, will go with uh, Milner once again, so it will be um, Milner, Genie, um, and uh, Thiago once again. I'm not sure if you know um, uh, if, if Klopp would want to um, start Thiago over and over again. So one could make the claim that you know instead of Thiago, maybe uh, you could have an oxlade Chamberlain, or um, uh, Shaq coming in, but it, it really uh, wouldn't be my first choice of midfield. You could maybe consider. Um, starting Thiago, you know, giving him um, 60 or so uh, minutes, depending on how physical or how um, uh, what the pace of the uh, of the game is, and then look to bring on um, Shaq or uh, Oxlade Chamberlain um, in, in the later moments um, uh, 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 of the game, depending on the score as well. So my personal um, uh, first choice of midfield, if Hendo is fit, would uh, definitely be. Um, uh, Hendo, Genie, and Thiago And I think the rest of the team uh, uh, Picks itself Unfortunately there's no uh, breathing space For um, uh, Trent Definitely Matip if he's fit And if he's not um, injured In his uh, in sleep in bed uh, He has to start mm-hmm. uh, Fabinho unfortunately uh, No rest for him as well um, uh, So I, I think there's no um, Breathing space for the uh, Back five and the front three as well um, so hopefully Hendo's fit and he can start the game um, uh, against
0: Spurs yeah I feel like we're kind of um, applying that phrase to Fabinho right now it's like you can rest when you're dead <laughs> just playing him over <laughs> and over again but he is a machine and there's you know uh, he seems to have like a little bit of a, a reputation for being slightly injury prone, but uh, apart from I think it was a six-week injury in his first season, he's actually very rarely missed games for us. Um, and he is—he's not quite Van Dyke in the sense that you know it, it literally um, takes an idiot to <laughs> two-foot tackle his knees to put him out. But it, you know he is—is he is made of stern stuff. And uh, listen, he's certainly not Joel Matip. So uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with you, Henderson, Thiago, Wan um, I think with Henderson in there, I think you'll you'll see the best come out of Thiago. Um, and I'd be tempted if Henderson isn't there, I'd be tempted not to do Genie. Um, just because I don't think he quite offers us the legs that he did a year or two ago. Um. And I think that 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 affects Thiago slightly. He has to do a little bit more running and he's been throwing some wild challenges in at times. But um, yeah, if if it's Henderson, I'd go Henderson, Thiago, Wijnaldum. Uh, If not, I'd maybe like to see Curtis Jones start again. Um, He should be fresh because he hasn't played much football recently, uh, although he does get 70, 75 minutes at the weekend there. Um, And uh, he played very well in that last game against Tottenham, uh, and the 2-1 that you mentioned. Um, I thought his use of the ball was very mature. He knew when to kind of try and break the lines, when to play the through ball, um, but he also knew when to hold on to it. And, uh, and he, he really has developed his game in, in that way, and especially with six or seven weeks out of the limelight. Um, you know, maybe he has been, he, he has had the opportunity to use that on the training ground and kind of hone his game and an even better Curtis Jones that we might be able to see uh, in the latter part of 2021. Just on a uh, just on a, on a point that uh, I think you said you asked me if Milner uh, had a contract that uh, finishes at the end of this season. I thought you were talking about Wijnaldum. Sorry, Milner has a contract until 2022, so we do have another year of him after this. Um, but obviously the Genie situation uh, means that he is uh, off at the end of this year unless we offer him one. Uh, okay, before we go, uh, give me a prediction for Thursday night. Goodness me um so tough it's so
1: tough i I really i really want to be optimistic um you know i'm i'm really going back and forth between uh 2-1 for us um or 2-2 i i definitely think uh, i think we won't lose the game uh i think it's more likely that we draw um but um if we do draw it will be a 2-2 but i i think i i I will just i will just have to go for a 2-1 You know, a miserable, miserable game, an early goal in the first half, um, followed by um, uh, an equalizer by Spurs um, uh, at the end of the first half. And then we just um, managed to get another um, late goal in the second half
0: and it finishes 2-1. But um, a heart attack could almost be guaranteed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i rate that shout actually i mean i've i've been saying on this podcast for weeks you know we, we can't put in another stinkover performance you know we've already gone two three four five six performances without playing well and uh and uh, listen i'm going to be optimistic again and i'm going to agree with you uh, and say two under the reds um yeah thank, thank you very much for coming on and doing this jengis
1: oh it was not, it was a pleasure to talk to you mate um yeah up the fucking reds let's go win this
0: and we'll we'll leave it right there up the reds thank you for listening